Since we're going to be talking about Scream for five seconds, sure. I have to tell you that Sydney Prescott, Nev Campbell, had an Indigo Girls poster in her bedroom. I know. Did she you did. know that? Yes. I remember clocking that when I saw it in high school. So I was like, those are my girls. I know. And all, everyone on screen, because we love Sydney Prescott. It's true. Come on. <laughs> Julian Bentavalli. Hello, Patrick Hines. Oh my goodness, fam. It's our first recording post-Obsessed Fest. That's wrong. Is that true? Absolutely wrong. <laughs> really? Yep. Oh man, my brain is a mess. Yeah, I'm... no, that makes sense. What did we record? Like a week ago this minute. Okay, great. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> Lizzie Borden. Oh yes, oh yeah, that's true, that's true. We were right here, right? Yeah. Did I dream that or did we do that? You're correct. Okay, okay. Fam, we are getting close to like a date and a time for a year or two of Obsessed Fest. We're going to announce hey. it as soon as we freaking can. So stay posted. <laughs> you never said as soon as we freaking Freaking again. Again. <laughs> bada bing, bada boom, we got the dating at the time. Let's go. Other than that, join us on the Patreon. It's where yes. you can get over 350 full ad-free bonus episodes to download and binge right this second. It's just more of us. It's all ad-free content. We're a little loosey-goosey. Uh, we might... <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. What are your faves? Give us one that we don't say a lot. So we do ad-free versions of these episodes, but then we do like the long-form series, yeah. like Heaven's Gate on HBO. Yes. We just did Bad Vegan, Murder Among the Mormons, The what are we Vow. Doing oh, we're doing oh. the one on Hillsong, Hillsong, that weird, crazy church situation. And everyone, pull over. We're doing yeah. Finding Andrea next. I know everyone's been screaming. Tell me about this. It. I don't know what this is. It, we're Finding Andrea. Okay. People. She went missing. She went missing, we're she, find but her. she's part of a group of women. All they do is find missing people. Oh my God. So she's a missing person finder who goes missing. Yes. Oh my God. And it's a lot of who's involved, who's <gasps> not, or the other way. I don't know. It's, oh it's a wild stars. ride for yeah, so it's patreon.com slash true crime obsessed or go to our website, click on the Patreon link. Also follow us on TikTok. It's yeah. true crime obsessed pod. We're doing tons of content there every day. And join the Facebook group. It's where you find everything. It's where we go to ask your opinion on stuff. It's where you meet new friends, talk about the episodes, but also just like get involved in a community. If you're feeling a little lonely or you're feeling super happy, get the Facebook yeah. group. If you just watch something and you want to talk about it, go yeah. there. True crime obsessed podcast discussion group. That's right. That's all. Okay. That, I feel like I'm asking a lot this week. You are. You always okay. are. <laughs> this week? <laughs> Hey! All day, every day. All day, all day, every day. All right, girl, what are we talking about today? Well, it's called Scream the True Story. Yeah. But is it? I don't know. Scream. One of the most chilling and successful blockbuster horror movie franchises of all time. A mass killer stalks and slashes young women to death. But what horror fans don't know is Scream was inspired by a real-life serial killer. Danny, are you here with us? For the first time ever. Why did you kill? We will conduct a paranormal investigation of his hunting grounds. There's no doubt that we're communicating with the spirit of Danny right now. This is the horrifying true story behind the movie, Scream. So here's the thing, girl. You know I'm obsessed with Scream. I do. I had no idea that it was basically a real story. It was, apparently it's the, what, what do they call the guy? The, the Gainesville Ripper, but his name is Danny Rowling, the killer. And we will now call him the killer the going killer. forward. But my, yes. my thing is, this was an opportunity maybe to make a documentary about the Gainesville Ripper as opposed to the documentary we actually get. Yeah, it's a paranormal investigation. <laughs> it's October. <laughs> no, and look, it has very interesting moments, but like uh, this whole thing is that the Gainesville Ripper said that he did the killing 
feelings because he was possessed by a demon. Uh-huh. And so named rather Gemini. Named Gemini. Get it? Because two sides, two sure. faces, Jekyll and Hyde. Sure, I didn't know any of that. I'm assuming. Gemini. I'm not a witchy bisexual woman, so I'm not. I can't be expected. Oh, to you're know. not. No. Okay, this has been fun. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for having me. I have my flannel today too. You always look so hot in that flannel. <laughs> my point is, instead of giving us a documentary about the victims here and like right. the, the story of what happened, we get a documentary where these weird paranormal people investigate whether or not this guy was actually possessed by a demon. Right, but the reenactments are basically scream cosplay, kind of. 100%. Because the first one we get, we get a reenactment of a cop like on the scene. Yeah. He looks like Dewey from yes, Scream, totally, which is right. David Arquette. He, totally he has the bad mustache. Like I'm going to oh say right God. at the top, this yeah. is pretty rude and disrespectful all around. We, I, we're not focusing on the victims enough here. No, I totally agree. Like, And I knew nothing about this case. Right. That said, there's interesting stuff to be had here. Well, we our host here is Steve Shippey. Oh my He's God. a paranormal investigator. How do you get that job? He's a paranormal investigator. Like, do people pay him to do that? Do you think he wakes up in the morning, he's like, Bagans, I'm coming for you. <laughs> I'm coming for you. Or are they friends? Uh, I don't know. I don't think they're friends. Bagans does not take this guy's One is worse than the other in so many ways. Honestly, they're all just like, what is going on? Yeah. So here's what we learned. In 1990, over the course of three days, police discovered the mutilated bodies of five college students, a man and four women. Three of the women had been raped and one of them had been decapitated. He would literally take his victims' bodies and pose them in lewd positions, even placing one of the victims' heads up on a bookshelf to be able to view its own body. The killer would also pose their bodies to, like, make a statement. In lewd positions, we're told. Yeah. And he also committed three murders the year before in his hometown in Louisiana. Shreveport. 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 It's called Shreveport. Hey, Shreveport. (laughs) I hear you're lovely this time of year. Uh, And whether or not he did this is not up for debate. He confesses to all eight murders. Right. The devil made him do it. Specifically, a demon named Gemini. Yeah. So, (laughs) we're told... To understand him and this better, we reach out to the killer's ex fiance who's here. Sandra London. <laughs> She's got a whole story. She sure does. She's the killer's ex fiance yes. and the author of a book about him. No, she's his ex fiance. They only met after he went to prison, right? Right. So there's camera footage of Sandra from 1993 saying, The killer loves me with a very creepy look on her face yes. on camera. I'm yes. not trying to be. Too judgmental, but I have some words for Sandra. We have a lot of words for her, but she also is very clear that she, I'm like, she's got an extra grind. She does not want to be known as a woman who falls in love with people who go to prison. Okay, but how come your lower third says ex-fiance then? Right. Sandra, Sandra's like, you know, I'm here to, I want to set the record straight. She's got a lot to say. She's coming in hot. She's yeah, 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 right. Yeah. She's at a hundred. Yeah. Do you know each other at the meetings? <laughs> the I'm always at a hundred meetings. We do see each other. She's, you, we kind of. I feel like you make sure if she's going good. to the morning one, you go to the evening one. <laughs> Sandra says, the killer reached out to me out of the clear blue sky and asked Sandra to write a book about him. And she's like, it's so I did it. So back off. It's so what of it? And I'm like, Sandra, you didn't have to come today. No. You signed the piece of paper that said, I'm willing to have this conversation. Why are you yelling at me? 100. I mean, Sandra does make some like salient points about this guy because he talks about how like he's so religious. And she says, there were many times when I asked him, you know, you're so religious. Where was God when you were Cutting this girl's head off, you know, where was your Jesus then? What good is your religion if you can still do stuff like this? 
where was your God when you were cutting this girl's head off? Now, I want to pause here for a second. Yeah. Because I feel like we went right by the fact that he asked her to write a book about him. Yes. Why? Yeah. Because this is not the first serial killer that she has had a romantic relationship with and has written a book about. What? Oh, yeah. Who else? As per Wikipedia. Okay, great. She was the one-time girlfriend of convicted murderer and suspected serial killer G.J. Schaefer. He was known as the killer cop and the hangman. Oh, my God. He was convicted in 1972. So she wrote a book about that guy, too. So word got out about Sandra, and that's why the killer, because she doesn't say that. Word got out. Yeah, all around the prison. I had to do the legwork. She's not admitting that this is kind of what she does. I also want to point out, there are so many fucking serial killers. Too many. That I've never heard of. too many. That's a thing that like everybody should know your name but never say it. Like yeah. th- it should be that rare. It should be that rare. Also, don't like fall in love with them and write books about them. No, I couldn't agree more. Tell the story in an appropriate way. I 100% agree. But also tell us that like so he knew about this other thing that I had and that's why he reached out to me instead yeah. of like w- there I was minding my business. Right. <laughs> the postman came, right. dropped off my carton of milk and the fucking letter from this guy. While we're here, I'm just going to point out that like the scream creators never give this guy credit as being the inspiration for the movie. Right. I've never heard that before. Let's circle back to that a little later. Okay, great. I have some we, thoughts. we got a lot to get I want to try to get in order because I am all over the place I in this, <laughs> admittedly, because I have a lot of feelings about all of it. So I'm going to try to save my questions and comments for the end. We meet the prosecutor, Rod Smith, who like doesn't buy the devil bullshit no. for a minute. He's no. like, this guy, what's he going to say? We arrested him for murdering eight people. He's trying to get off on an insanity plea or some nonsense. But while we're meeting him, we're seeing court footage of like the trial and we're seeing the shit that the killer used. Yeah. And it's terrifying. It's like the ski mask and the ice pick. May I ask you why we make ski masks? Like, we are making them for people to rob and kill other people. I think... For $6, you can get away with it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Never been skiing. Okay, no. (laughs) I think it is to protect your skin and your face from the elements. But if... Okay, yes, I hear that and I accept it. But here's my question. If one person is murdered in service of somebody using that thing incorrectly, don't we stop making them? No. Why, why are you on their side? I'm not. I'm just saying I don't think the world can function that way. People still need to protect their skin from the elements. Well, but here we go. Why are you skiing? You know what I mean? I've never been skiing. I think we end skiing and we've solved the problem. No one needs to go skiing. You can really hurt yourself too now it that we're here. Freezing. It's freezing cold. I went snowboarding once and had bruises on my tailbone because I kept falling because it was ice basically. Well, who, what kind of child abuse I did you 14. suffer that you were taking snowboarding? I thought it would be fun, the hot snowboarding. I don't know. It what? didn't work. You think it, we've talked about this. We are lodge wives. It didn't work. Get me, I'll go snowboarding or skiing if it I can't. It wasn't with my family. I was with a friend's family. Okay. Well, and now we we're went. fighting. We're really fighting. <laughs> I didn't go on my own accord. I was dragged. Okay, okay the look on your face, you, <laughs> you feel really sorry for it. <laughs> so we're with Steve, the paranormal guy. Steve Shippy. We're not going to talk about his last Steve name. Steve Shippy. Shippy. Okay. The, the point is, like, some journalists should be saying, we're going to take a real hard look at the right. evidence of the case, get to know the victims, understand all of that stuff. Instead, Steve says, for the first time ever, we are investigating. Were demonic forces driving Danny Rowling to commit these homicides and do these evil deeds? And if so, when did this possession occur? Were demonic forces driving Danny Rowling to commit these homicides and these evil deeds? No. No, they weren't. No. And why are we investigating that? Stick around, fam, because there's going to be a lot to discuss. As two people who love the cinematic masterpiece Scream. Correct. Scream should still be an afterthought in this story. 100%. Because Steve Shippey, 
Right. I'm talking to you. Right. Don't make this spooky. <laughs> this does a disservice to the victims. This isn't some spooky, weird, paranormal no. thing. This guy killed people. And they say, since he was executed in 2006, we must attempt to locate his spirit and communicate with the killer from beyond the grave. Also, I don't want to talk to him. No, Let no. him fucking rot. I don't, I don't hear. I, I don't care what he has to say. Me and don't. Cindy, the psychic medium, who I just keep hearing Sydney as in Prescott, by the way. Oh, interesting. Cindy, I just heard, you know. Cindy, can I just say, Cindy is the medium. She's here to like actually communicate with him. Uh-huh. Every single time she's on screen, it's like she didn't know what they were asking her here for. She's constantly terrified. She's constantly screaming. She constantly can't take the idea that she might encounter the presence of a fucking ghost. Cindy is out of her mind. But everyone's also very bored. Yeah. <laughs> wow, big response, huh? I know. That's literally how they sound. We'll play it. <laughs> the first location they go to is the killer's campsite where he, like, stalked his victims. And this is very creepy. So yeah. we see a map. Literally 50 feet from where he's watching, there's normal life, there's people shopping, eating, walking down the street, just living normal life. And then just in the bush is literally a monster. This guy was just fucking camping in the woods next to this, like, apartment complex. Like, watching them go in and out and making these horrible, very scary, evil plans. Yes. I hate it. He was just, like, building bonfires in the woods. Like, somebody must have noticed he was there. I will spare you all the dissertation, but we need to do better by the mentally ill and the homeless people in this fucking country. Because this is also where he's saying, this is where I met Gemini the demon. Also, he's lying. Right. Like, he is an evil murderer. Let's not make it into something else. It's not some paranormal possession. It's none of that. He's an evil guy who needed to be held accountable and he's just trying to get a lighter sentence or whatever. The son of Sam did this too. Enough. 100%. So Steve Shippey and psychic Cindy go into the woods to try to like see if his spirit is haunting his former campsite. So they're trying to talk to the killer in a gator and snake infested pit apparently. (laughs) In the middle of the night because of course. (laughs) That's what I have known a hundred times. Like why does this have to be the middle of the night when they go into the haunted house eventually? Turn the lights on. Because that makes it spooky. Exactly. And rude. But they're telling us that they have to be careful because they might step on a snake or get eaten by an alligator. Right, so go at high noon. 100%. And like, forget you, Steve Shippey, and Sydney, the fucking spooked paranormal Whatever. people. The camera guys, yeah. the camera women who are out there like risking life and limb to make this. You know what I mean? They got pretty good zooms on these cameras these days. I feel like they could have totally. stand from a we'll safe over, distance. You yeah. know, we'll be over here. You go do what you gotta do, Shippey. <laughs> no, we got you, Ships. We got them? Who cares? So then Shippey goes... I wonder if we tried using a spirit box. Yeah, no, we should definitely try it. We should definitely try it. What do you think? Should we use the uh, spirit box? Okay. Okay. We now have to discuss the tools that Shippy, the paranormal guy, has. Okay, Shippy, calm down. A spirit box <laughs> is a walkie-talkie, but make it spooky, yeah. essentially. And like, I just call them the nerdometers. Like, you he, like talk to the demon, and he may or may not respond. Right. All of this stuff also feels like the sound was added in post. A hundred, so many times. <laughs> but first of all, and we'll get into that. I have so many of them. But again, as per the internet, yeah. a spirit box. And listen to this. You're, this is going to make you crazy. Yeah. A spirit box is a device that quickly jumps through AM radio channels, <gasps> creating a white noise effect. That effect allows spirits or ghosts to communicate by altering energy to create words and phrases. Oh it's my just God. talk radio. <laughs> It's the AM dial in your grandfather's And though the talk car. radio hosts generally are demons. Yes. You know what I mean? So Alex like in Jones some is... sense, Shippy is right. Sure. You know? But come, and you're talking to two people who believe in this kind of totally. stuff. I'm talking about me and you. Yes. Get the walkie-talkie out of here. Get the walkie-talkie out of here. We're not doing this. Also, you can buy a spirit box on Amazon for 90 bucks. Stop it. I will not. Because my thing is, like, I just keep saying this over and over again. I believe in this stuff. Yes. But, like, if this was actually useful, like, the science community right. would be talking to dead people all the time. All the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they wouldn't be adding clips in post speaking of right because suddenly they're like Danny 
can you talk to us, please? What went through your mind when you were sitting here, when the sun went down? Break your people. Dude. Holy crap. And suddenly we supposedly hear, I killed people. Break your people. Also, they're both very calm. They're like, well, that proves it. We're talking to the killer. Wow. No emotion at all. We've been through this so many times with demons or otherwise, yeah. where it's like, what did we hear on that phone call? Right. And then the person, the expert, says a phrase, and yeah. then your ear, of course, is only going to hear that. You see this on TikTok all the time. It's like you hear a crowd chanting, and you're like, what do you hear? I'm Bart Simpson, you know, oh, whatever. root beer can? Sure. Or, and w- as you read it, that's what you're you like hear. That. And we do this all the time. Yes. So then, like, Cindy, the psychic medium out of nowhere, is like, you know what? They're in the middle of the woods. You know what? I got? Something's coming to my mind. I just got I got to speak my truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's saying, like, it's totally not what I expected, but whatever happened to the killer came to him through his father. So it was it transferred through him. So this is where we get the idea, and, like, they go on about this. They're talking about that a demonic possession runs in the family, Generational demonic possession. Right. Instead of just like, well, one piece of shit doesn't fall far from the other piece of shit. <laughs> Right. It's just like there's no explanation except for that what the guy who killed eight people said is exactly what happened. And also the movie wouldn't be Scream. It would be a demonic possession movie. It would be The Conjuring. Totally. Also, Scream is perfect. I mean, I'm just saying. It's a perfect. I'm like, I'm so glad if this is really true, it's based on this story. I'm glad that they didn't actually use any of the stories. I'm not trying to create a parallel universe where somehow Scream doesn't exist. I would never do that to you. (laughs) I'm just trying to say. I'm just saying that like Scream is in no way based on this. Right. It has nothing to do with Scream at all. No. And we'll get to why. I googled how there's a connection. Oh, got it. It's a hell of a reach. I hope everyone's... Okay. Do your stretching. Because <laughs> we're going to be doing a lot of reaching, yeah, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. want to just <laughs> really stretch those lats or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then Shippy's just like, oh God, someone pushed me. I didn't see him pushed no. at all. He's just lying. So then he goes, Shippy has this great idea, quote, out of the blue. Right. <laughs> he's basically yawning through everything he says. He's so bored. He's like, hey, Cindy. Uh, Do you want me to take you to the location where he stalked his first victim? Yes. Yeah? Yes. All right. Yeah. Let's go. <clears throat> you want me to take you to the place where he stalked his first victim? And she's like, oh my God, yeah. This is all choreographed, it's everyone. It's all choreographed. Documentaries have a production schedule. Yes. They knew exactly what they were going to do. And can we get a little background on Cindy? Like, we're just told that she's like a psychic who communes with spirits. Like, give me a, an example of a time you worked with the police. Give me something to legitimize you. Right. Well, you, she, they can't. Right. <laughs> That's the thing. They just avoid it altogether. They don't right. try to list any credentials because there aren't any. Exactly. So we learned that the killer's father was sadistic and abusive. And the reason that this is important to this documentary is because they're trying to make the connection that there's that, what do you call it? Generational. Demonic possession. Yeah. That like... What, have you never heard of that before? <laughs> Why is that so hard for you to get to? Does that not make sense to you? I'm like, what What are the words? That like, basically the dad was possessed because his dad was possessed and they handed it down to the killer who was like third generation depressed. Third generation Third generation <laughs> Who only, this demon only attached itself to the killer in the middle of the woods one time when he was like 35. Right. Exactly. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Not buying Something it. That tells me GP's not going for it. I'm not. I'm no. no. <laughs> I'd rather just watch Scream. No. Well, 100%. But Sandra's back to give us the backstory. And she's saying that, look, the killer was the firstborn son of a small town southern cop. She goes, with everything the cliches imply, <laughs> she I, might as well wink directly to the camera. <laughs> Sandra, hold the cops to task. I'm with you on that. 100%. But she says, quote, the mother was a meek woman, fully dominated by the husband. They were Pentecostal. That's a weird way of saying the husband was an abusive piece of shit. Why are we blaming the the woman here? That that, I don't like. I think that's kind of the implication, was that like there was no way out for anybody in this family. Yeah. 
They were all Pentecostal Christians with the speaking in tongues and the snake handlers. Yeah, right back we there learned again. that like the killer was like horribly abused by his dad. We get the story about this one day. It was a hundred degrees outside. The dad handcuffed him to a pole yeah. in like the driving sun. Danny was suffering. The aunt reported it to the chief of police. And the chief of police told him, that's Officer Rowling. He's a fine officer. And we're not going to do anything that will embarrass him. I would like someone to ask me, when did Danny Rowling become a serial killer? I'll tell you right then. If you want to ask me the day he became a serial killer, that was the day. Right. She might not be 100% wrong there. No. I mean, like, this kid obviously suffered a ton of abuse at the hands of his dad. From a human being. From a human being who was not possessed by the demon that would then go on to possess the the son. It's like, evil is evil, but right now we're talking about, like, evil humans, and that's what's going on here. I'm going to go ahead and say that I believe, like, in heaven. I believe in angels. I believe in ghosts. Yes. I don't really believe in demonic possession. I just don't believe it. Oh. Do you? Uh, I don't know, but okay. I happen to know someone who claims that they performed an exorcism. I met a priest once who told me that he performed an but exorcism. But what else are they doing? They're so bored, of course. They're gonna, it's like the time I said Val Kilmer came in to compliment me on my pancakes. See, that's more viable, though. Right. <laughs> because I've had those pancakes, and they were delicious. It's true. So it makes total sense that Val Kilmer would also mm-hmm. agree. Thank you for standing I by do... me. That was a test. Uh, right? <laughs> test. Fuck off. I pass five colors every time. I created that test, it's by true. the way. It's true. No, it's true. I do not have any experience with demonic possession, so I can't really speak to that. No. Sandra tells this really sad tale about... As a little boy, he would walk around in the neighborhood and look for rooms and houses where the people were happy, and he would try to imagine himself being in there. By the time he reached puberty, it developed into a sexual perversion of uh, voyeurism. Now it becomes like a perversion, they say. Right, right. He's like a voyeur or whatever. And Sandra tells us that this behavior, this voyeurism behavior, escalates into actually breaking into people's homes. Yeah. And just like not doing anything, but just like wearing the ski mask and like going in in the middle of the night. Like existing in someone it's else's house. It's so fucking scary. We see a reenactment of it and he's like sitting in a chair in a hallway in the middle of the night, just being there. I know. And like he says, I can't even count how many hundreds of times I've done that. That is is terrible. I woke up in the middle of the night last night out of like a bad dream thinking somebody was in my apartment. In that moment, I that happens to me like almost nightly because you know my dreams are horrible. Yeah. But that moment where you're like, what is that? Oh, it's my dresser. (laughs) But that moment of like you're groggy, you just had this experience in your mind and you're just like, oh my God, oh my God, the killer's here. Oh. (laughs) No, it's fucking terrible. And like, I think all the time about the Golden State Killer who like people would just wake up and there's a fucking man in their room with a gun and a ski. It's It's why do we do this to each other. It's not demonic possession. I'll tell you that right now. I know that much. So now we're with Cindy and Steve Shippy. Cindy has a lot of feelings, but she doesn't want to say anything one way or the other. Yeah. She's kind of hedging. She's like, I feel a lot, but I don't know which way production wants me to go on this. <laughs> So we're, we went from the woods and now we're sort of walking around the site of the murder, like yeah. around the, the apartment complex. He was like living deep in the woods. And then when he would like really stalk the victims, he would like go to the edge of the woods and like stare at the apartments. Right. So Cindy's feeling a lot of things. This spot feels totally different than the other spot. It feels so different. So much darker. It could be a lot of different things. I'm very careful to say demon but whatever is here could be another type of spirit she's hedging she doesn't want to say one way or the other what she's feeling which to me is very frustrating because why are we here right 
And then, like, we have another spirit box. The second spirit box comes out. Oh, it's called a geoport. This oh, would be the perfect time me. to use the geoport. I call it? it? I called it the nerdometer. You know, yeah. You know that it's, like, propolis. Geoport, <laughs> spirit box. Geoport. Like, the thing is, Steve Shippy, if these things worked to communicate with the other side, we would all have one. Especially, they wouldn't have to add audio in post. Right. Which is what they do. Yeah, and it's also, like, who the fuck? Like, how do these people sleep at night knowing that they're being so rude and disrespectful to actual human victims. I know. And then adding demonic speech in post. It's crazy. Like, then, what are you doing with your life? It's awful. And Steve Shippy is like now saying, he's like, Danny, you can communicate with us through this box. If Danny was dead on the other side, don't you think he knows that? He knows. Yeah, he knows. Also, like, we get no information on how this device works. We're just told that you can communicate and then we hear weird sounds and we just believe it, I guess. Right. It's either he's like, I killed them, right. which is... A Again, added in post. Yeah. Don't use, you're not allowed to use that no, in post. No, absolutely not. Whatever channel this is, sci-fi or whatever. Yeah. But then it also starts beeping. Yes. So there's a moment, again, in the middle of the night, not at two in the afternoon, which is when they should be doing it. Exactly. This. Cindy is trying to talk and like stare into the fire to see visions or whatever. Uh -huh. Bad for your eyes, by the way. Don't Terrible. do that. The ghost device, the nerdometer or whatever, nerd keeps beeping and yeah. cutting her off. Yeah. And like she's trying, and they're so close to being like, Danny, you're ruining this take. Because they're just, instead of just like lean into yeah, 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 what, yeah. like, oh wow, he's really active, she just keeps taking it clean again. And it's like, beep, beep, beep. It goes on for 15 minutes. And then Maggie would not have done that. Maggie would have kept talking. Maggie would have thrown that thing on the ground, stomped it, and walked away. And like, oh my god, had some whiskey neat somewhere as she should. <laughs> well, deserved. while she's getting another face tattoo, right? Hi, Maggie. Hi, Mags. So now Cindy also starts talking about how bad the killer is at sex. He's making a display because of his inadequacy. Huge hit as soon as you said that. The display was covering up for how inadequate he was and how insecure he was. He's mad yes. that Cindy's saying this because then she's like, he was really beep, 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 beep. <laughs> he was real bad at sex. She beep, keeps beep, 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 beep. <laughs> and it's like, but is he talking? That's the nerdometer, fam. Like, what's right. happening is like, she's basically saying that Cindy's like, he was inadequate and that's why he was like, so angry that he killed people. He was inadequate sexually. And as she's saying it, the nerdometer. But it's like. Because that's like his way of yelling. But like, why can't he just yell at her through the, the other nerdometer? Right. So, like, wait a second. Right. He's communicating in beeps this time. Totally. But we had a perfectly clear audio of right. him saying, I killed them. Why did she say, Cindy, shut up? Nobody asked you. Why are you hanging out my dirty laundry? But she's not. He's, he's beeping. He's beeping. It is so fake and so rude. I can't. I know. I can't so do weird. it. Like, the other nerdometer, the one that he can talk to is right there. And that, so the beep, 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 beep. Yeah. That means, according to Steve Shippy, it's a, quote, massive hit. Uh-huh. And, like, means that, like, I guess we're hitting on the energy or whatever. Yes. But they use one soundbite of Steve Shippy very boringly saying, Dude, massive hit. Dude, massive hit. I know. Over and yes. over. It's the same clip. I know. I know. And he sounds so unenthused. Then, Steve, then go the fuck home. I know. Because you're not doing anything good here. I know. You're being rude. I know. And we don't even get to talk to a demon at the end of it. But at one point, Cindy is like, Steve is like, Cindy, what are you encountering? What's happening? What's happening? And she's like all out of sorts. And she goes, I... I don't know what's happening. And I went, that makes two of us. I know, Cindy. Cindy. <laughs> I know, sweetheart. And then she's like, he's the most manipulative spirit I've ever worked with, I Cindy. 
And then it's like, she beep, 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 beep. and she goes, oh, shut up. And I'm like, girl, same. I know. Let's take a hard left turn and discuss Michael Salerno, Catholic demonologist. <laughs> so, because he's here praying in Latin. Steve, <laughs> Steve Shippy has a friend who's a demonologist. I don't think he's a priest, but he's he, a Catholic demonologist, which is pretty mouthy instead of just saying priest. But is he a priest? I don't know. You know would, what I no. mean? So, like, no. they go to see him because they're like, well, we're going to need a demonologist to exercise this spirit from whatever. And I'm like, what? Do you want to talk to him or you want to make him go away? I right. don't get it. I he already confessed to it. Right, exactly. So, like, what, what is are the, we, what are to we learn? doing here? And we're not talking about the victims or what actually, we're not learning anything. Yes. We're not, like, holding anyone accountable. He admitted to all of it. What are we doing 100%. here? 100%. But he's praying in Latin, Patrick. <laughs> I know. Sancte Michael Archangeli, defende nos in prelio. Quia peregit sodium metamatum, peregantorum mundo. Divina virtute in infernum de trute. Santi Michael Archangeli, <laughs> defense nos proelio, defende all truthe, ask K out the Eman day. Enomini Patris Affiliae Spiris Tisanti, XOXO, your friend Mike Salerno. He sounds ridiculous. He comes back at the end and he's doing it again. I'm like, he's not even trying with the accent. He basically goes into pig Latin. Totally. Ask K out the Eman day. P.S. Shit's crazy, right? <laughs> God, you see this? It doesn't make any sense. This guy wants us to think that he's like really been through it. Yeah. Talking about how, you know, demons are liars, manipulators, they uh-huh. feed on fear, they love anxiety. I was like, I know people in my life who are just <laughs> like that. Where's their documentary? Wait a second. Everyone's blaming the killer, like all of his actions on the demons, right? Yeah. But then suddenly some PA like switches the light off. Yeah, like the light goes off while they're talking about the demon and everyone fucking freaks out. And I'm like, come on. And Michael's like, hey. Pretty interesting, right? Considering what we're talking about. Do you see what we're dealing with here? They turn lights off, people. They turn lights off. Yeah, and then, like, Cindy's like, so if we're dealing with a demon in the woods, are you sure it's, like, the demon we're looking for? And Michael goes, if you deal with one, you deal with them all. They're like the mafia. That's not exactly true. No. Michael Salerno, you should know better. Totally. Yeah, he's this guy is just kind of useless. It's totally useless. And again, is it a generational curse? Because right. then we learn that the killer's grandfather killed his grandmother in front of the killer's death. There was like some murder that happened to the family. This is a, I don't know if this is true or not. Yeah. But like the story is. In the case of James Harrell Rowling, Danny's father. He was sitting at the dinner table one time, one night, when his grandfather got up from the table and took a butcher knife and pulled his grandmother's head back and sawed her head off. So the killer's dad witnessed his own father kill murder his mother. his mother right in front of him by like slicing her neck. Right. Why don't we get more of that story? Or like, why isn't this documentary about like nature versus nurture? Like, yeah. wow, like maybe evil runs in the family. Like, like maybe it's maybe like generational trauma. Right, right, you know right. What I mean? Exactly. It's as opposed not... to like generational demonic possession or whatever. You, yeah, you nailed it. Thank you. So you much. nailed the words, but that's not a thing. <laughs> no. Just want to make that no, very clear. Because we learned that the killer's dad was just fucking awful. Yeah. And that's why we pinpoint the moment the killer became a serial killer that moment at the table where he watched his dad kill his mom that's the moment the dad became a monster those are the real dots that are being connected here exactly right but Michael the demonologist the Nina Pinto Santa Maria (laughs) 
XOXO yeah, Mike. Yeah. He, that's how he talks to the yeah, demons, right? of course. Or is he talking to God? I don't know how it works. Who knows? So he goes on to quote the usual suspects and about 10 authors from like the 1800s uh-huh. where he's like, here's the thing about uh, the devil. <laughs> Greatest thing the devil ever did was uh, convince people he didn't exist. And I'm like, don't quote the fucking usual suspects to me, Michael. Yeah, right. And then he's <laughs> like, Michael, Michael Salerno. Salerno. <laughs> Bensonhurst probably. Right. Uh, no, if he's from Bensonhurst, he would have known, known a lot better. But he's like, look, he goes, Look, Cindy, these demons play hard and they play for keeps. <laughs> and I'm like, where are we? I know. I know. What are we talking it's, about this here? Is so ridiculous. Because they can't actually believe it. Right. Like, there's no way they believe it, and that makes it worse because now they're being rude. It 100 percent Right? Like, there's no way he actually is like said that with a straight face. Like, oh, this this will really get me in the trailer. These demons yeah. play hard and they play for keeps. Like, come on. And it's just like, show me one demon documentary that isn't ridiculous. Also, where is Gemini now? Right. Right. Well, we eventually learn that he might still be tormenting Danny on the other side. Oh, perfect. Great. You know what? Torture him. Who cares? He's a fucking murderer. Right. So now we're going back to the evening of November 4th, 1989, and we're going to learn about the first murders the killer ever did in his hometown of Shreveport. He stalked college student Julie Grissom. He tracked her to her home, entered the home, and viciously killed Julie's father and her eight-year-old nephew before raping and killing Julie, cleaning her body and posing it for the authorities to discover. Kills her father and her eight-year-old nephew and then rapes and kills Judy. Yeah, and all we get is like a tasteless reenactment and nothing. And then like we're moving on to more spooky stuff. We learn nothing Nothing. about these victims. They just drove right by it because now we have to meet Sheila Jackson who is currently living in the killer's childhood home. And Sheila Jackson's the only person in this documentary that I like. She's been through a lot. Yes. So like Steve is driving up to the house and he's like, I got permission from the woman who lives there now to come and talk to her and like maybe do a paranormal investigation of the killer's childhood home. Because he says, just for the record, our work he says this out of his mouth our working theory is that this is a multi-generational possession starting with the killer's grandfather that's what they think is going on here quit your job steve shippy you're <laughs> not you good have at this. a job you're not whatever this is right. that you're doing stop doing it stop doing it and stop giving him a documentary i know like this is money that could have been curates right please oh my god i know because the thing is we learn in this house the killer shoots his father because they have this massive fight. And we get this from Sandra. She's like, so one day the killer and the dad were fighting and the dad's like berating him. And then the dad shoots at him six times and misses. Danny left the home, went out to the garage and got his own gun and came back in self-defense and discharged his weapon at his father twice. First, uh, a bullet hit him between the eyes Second bullet hit him uh, mid-abdomen. Shoots the dad in the head and in the stomach. He leaves the dad for dead. He thinks the dad dies, but he doesn't. We're in the kitchen where this happened, and the new owner, Sheila, points out, that's the gun hole. It's still there, the like, gu- on they the, never the kitchen cupboard. The, yeah, they never replaced the guy. And, like, she knows the story. And Steve is saying to her, like, when you moved into this house, did you know the history? And she's like, we didn't at the time. We learned it from the neighbors. When we moved in, people wouldn't even walk on this side of the street. Oh, my God. I know. I googled. Do realtors have to tell you? Do something they? horrible? It 
varies state to state. Oh my god! If it was just like a peaceful, like they died in their sleep. Yeah, they don't have to disclose that. If you specifically ask, "Hi, realtor, did someone die here yeah. in any way?" Yeah. they have to tell you. They can't be like, "No," uh-huh. even if it was some very lovely ninety-eight-year-old in their sleep. Yeah, they have to disclose that. But it does vary state to state. There's like a statute of limitations for grisly murders, so it kind of depends on where you are. But also, no one really, except us, people like us, would think to ask. I know. I would always you know? ask. That's so crazy. But Steve is saying that he believes that Sheila, the current owner, and her family are the victims of, quote, violent haunting. And Sheila is here to back it up. Sheila takes us on a tour. She describes, When I'm washing dishes, just knock it out my hand back into the water. Pictures come off the wall and fly across the room. My scratches in our back two or three times a week. And my husband accused me of twisting his nipples. Her husband is waking up in the middle of the night because his nipples are being twisted so hard that he says it feels like they're trying to twist them off. Right. Now, Sheila doesn't strike me as the, as a nipple twister. No, no. She, fe- I think, whatever, it's none of our business. It's none of our business. But I think right. she'd say, at that time, it wasn't me. Right. I think <laughs> Sheila has been through too much yeah, to yeah, lie yeah. about any of this. But this is the thing. Like, I believe Sheila. And like, I gotta say, they've lived in this house since like the early 90s. It is 2022. And I just keep thinking, this is an awful thing to live through but doesn't it also just get annoying? Yes. How many dishes have this fucking demon? He's throwing the remote control across the room. You gotta go fucking find that thing. You know the batteries are everywhere. Everywhere. And you know, I, I don't mean this to be funny, but it must be exhausting because you're yes. not getting an actual night's sleep. No. You constantly don't know what, you're just living in fear all the time. Yeah. Sheila. Do you believe her? Um, I do believe her. I do feel a little bit like she might be intimidated into like maybe exaggerating some things. But like you can't, unless, unless we're living in a really fucked up world and the production like paid her or like made the bullet hole or something. No, I believe she She just points it out. She also takes us into like this room that was the daycare room. She had a daycare for eight years. She says the kids were like, oh, this is the room where the ghost is. Yeah, books that fly off onto the floor. We had a mouse that disconnect and try to hit you. The trash can flips over. Sometimes the remote flies across the room. What do you think is haunting this location? I say Danny's here. So this is like the most haunted room in the house. The kids would see the ghosts in there. There are curtains that are original from when the killer's family lived in that house. They never changed the curtains. I totally understand that moving is a financial burden that many people cannot afford to do. I was that person for a very long time. I couldn't move. And I completely understand that you can't just be like, well, then leave. That's not an option for everybody. Yes, I feel like maybe... You get rid of the murder curtains? We can switch the curtains out. I think so, too. And, like, we're going to see blood on the curtains eventually. Now, when we see the blood on the curtains, they're going to make a real big deal out of it. I'm like to remind everybody that that was a daycare room for eight years. I know. I know. Like, I don't think it was the killer's blood. No. Well, and she says, like, this all, all of these hauntings and all of this, like, abuse started right after the killer was executed. Now, let's slow down on that because they get very specific because she lived in the house from the early 90s. And he's like, when did this start? Sheila just remembers it was Thanksgiving 2006 was when this started. I would remember. But I mean, but then, like, Steve points out that, oh, like, he was executed at the end of but September. But she also did a pre-interview and it's all yeah. scripted. That's what I'm saying. You know what like, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, it's it it's a very just, tidy coincidence. Right. It didn't just occur to her they're just telling a story here yeah yeah but now okay, sheila why are you mad at me i'm not mad okay of all people <laughs> you're good to go thank you so much you're welcome sheila asks shippy how do i get rid of this and shippy's like oh sorry yeah. i just investigate him i don't get rid of him <laughs> 
cold as ice, Shippy. But he does have a friend who's a, what do we call him? A demonologist? But I'm like, can you give her a fucking business card? I know. This is your business, Shippy? Right. Can you at least be like, I personally can't, but I can put you in touch with some bullshitters <laughs> who will totally try to make you feel better and steal all your money. Yeah. Like, instead yeah. of being like, ooh, yeah. whew, Sheila, I'm really <laughs> crossing a line, I just investigate totally. him and make shitty, rude documentaries. Yep. I don't get rid of him. He also says to Sheila, oh, the kind of activity you're talking about in my line of work, we call that poltergeist activity. Okay, well, okay. you know what? Whatever. <laughs> so he basically says to Sheila, hey, can we put you up in a hotel for the night and like we'll stay here and investigate? Sheila says yes before he finishes his Like a it's night her, in a hotel. It's her first night, like her good a good night's sleep she's had in like decades. No nipple twisting anywhere in sight. And just like no it's just it's so sad and scary. It is. So now Cindy the psychic. Yeah, she's back. Of course it's two o'clock in the fucking morning. Right, where else would she be? Yeah. Sleeping soundly? Nope. Right. They go into the house and all the lights are off and it's midnight. Why can't you do this at eleven AM? Because that's not spooky I enough. Know. Like this is a real fucking story and yeah. real people are involved. But like, so Shippy's like, we're gonna investigate. No, no, no. I've got a crazy experiment idea. Sensory deprivation. What would you think about going into the sewing room? You'd be blindfolded, couldn't hear what was happening or see what was happening, but I can place a camera on you and then connect to an IFB so I can hear everything that you're saying. That's interesting, sure. Yeah, you're game to try yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. What he does is he throws Cindy in the house by yes. herself and it's like her. sensory deprivation. Oh my God. But what he said, this is such a lie because it's like, ugh. So he's like, Cindy, I'm going to leave you totally alone, yeah. blindfold you, put like big earmuff headphones on so you can't hear anything. And you're just going to, you're going to be totally and completely alone. Yes. Right? Yes. And she's like, absolutely. Meanwhile, we are sitting in there with Cindy because there's right. a camera guy filming her. Right, exactly. So she's not alone. She's not Stop alone. Stop lying to 100%. me. It's so rude. Basically what happens is he goes outside with his nerdometer right. and he's talking to the nerdometer and like we're to believe that Cindy can't hear him. Right. But he's asking questions outside that Cindy can't hear. She's giving perfect answers yeah, to the questions. Yeah, she, because she's just like a stream of consciousness. Right, just she's talking like channeling about like, the you know, demons. The mother's here, that this is here yeah. and just sort of saying it out loud because she's supposed to be alone. Meanwhile, like Eric, the camera guy is next to and her. And also like there's no lower third anywhere in sight that says like, no, Cindy really couldn't hear him. No. They are not taking any like they were feeding her lines and how stupid do they think we are exactly there's a ca how do we have footage of her if she's all by herself and they didn't even do the fake like stationary right. camera right. where it's like supposed to be surveillance it's someone yeah. holding the $10,000 camera in front of her face give now, me a break in Cindy's defense I'm not fucking doing that by myself either Jared is staying inside with the camera well good thing it's all bullshit right. totally. so it doesn't matter yeah. anyway yeah and essentially they're saying like they start chasing the demon around the house he Shippy comes back in as the demon in, she's like, go to the bedroom and see what you find there. If you think you can find me, that's where I am. Danny boy, Danny's here. Danny boy. Can you communicate with me, Danny? Watch your back. I'm right behind you. I can't believe you can't see me. I'm right there. What are you waiting for, Stephen? Take a swing. You can't hit me. I'm invisible. I'm everywhere. I'm standing right behind you. I can't believe you can't see me. I'm standing right behind you. Uh, it's so And it's all so scripted. Like, yeah. Shippy's like, oh, something's out there. Yeah. Peering in the window, just like Danny would stalk his victims. I can see it on the page. Uh, yeah, You 100%. can see it in the script. So then, like, ultimately, they have this big scare inside. Now, when she finally has, quote, had enough, I'm expecting full-on Whoopi Goldberg from Ghost, where she can't yes. get off the couch. Yes, Because it's been so exciting. She basically comes out, and she's like, I'm the little, I'm going to need a break. For them to be telling us how scary and yes. horrible this is, there's a no emotion they are bored as hell. They're probably exhausted because it's two in the morning. It's true. <laughs> but they're just like, even, even earlier when Steve's like, massive hit, dude. Right. Such a big hit. 
It's like, no, no, no. Isn't this what you live for? Shouldn't you be having some emotion at all? But then, so they're like, okay, fine. The demon is definitely here. They call back the demonologist friend. Oh, Michael Salerno. Yeah. Yeah, so, so Shippy's like, oh, shit. I wonder if we can get Michael here. Do you think Michael's around? Michael, the demonologist, arrives in record time. Why? Because he was sitting in the production van <laughs> eating a Subway sandwich. Oh, God, I'm starving. I'm sorry, I'm I had to. So he was in the production van down the street. That's of why he could course. arrive in record time. Give me a break. And, like, while we're waiting for him to get there, we see this. This was right out of that stupid Zach Bagans uh, thing where, like, we see a replay of them in the house. Oh, right. And there's, like, a shadow demon that tries to attack Shippy in that the back. That was put in post. Totally. It is so fake. <laughs> right, because we don't see them see it. It's not like we're, like we're watching the dailies with them. They show it to us later. Right. So Michael the demonologist walks the 50 feet from the production yeah. van to be like, hey, you rang? Did right. someone call for a demonologist? Then he decides to perform an exorcism. Which, now, this is where he's reciting the, the Latin. He does, yeah. Tom, can we get a little bit of it? Ave Maria, grazia plena dominus tecum benedicta tum mulier ribus et benedictus fructus ventres tui Jesus. Santa Maria. He sounds Santo Michelangelis. <laughs> The power of Christ compels you. <laughs> totally. Espiritu Santi. XOXO, your friend Mike. Ugh. So, but apparently, that's all it took. Right. The scariest demon they've ever encountered. Right. Generational possession, <laughs> demonic possession. He's gone. Because Michael Salerno said the Nina the Pinta and the Santa Maria. <laughs> Said a couple things in pig yeah, Latin, and yeah. then poof, right. Gemini decides, you know what, I'm done. You guys are right. I'm so sorry. What a waste of time. Can you please apologize for I Sheila for me? God, did I put her through hell. But you're right. Michael, you convinced me. Twisting her husband's nipples for all these decades. Like, I Sheila, take it back. it's been fun. Maybe it was more fun totally. for me. This is Gemini talking. But you know what? I'm out. Barely puts up a fight. For I saw The Exorcist. I saw The Conjuring. Totally. These pieces of shit fight for dear life to stick around. And I, wait, 100%. And I was also thinking, like, then, is Sheila is ever going to go back into this house? No. We get a voicemail from Sheila. There's like a gun to her head I, in this. I mean, it's like literally somebody wrote it and put a gun to her head and was like, you will read this into a fucking telephone. It, she sounds like a prisoner. Thanking them profusely for getting rid of the evil demons in her house. Yeah. Hi, Steve. It's Sheila from Dana Rollins' house in Shreveport, Louisiana. I just wanted to thank you for coming by and investigating and blessing my house. Dan and Roland or whomever was here is gone. We don't hear noises and there's no paranormal activity. And my husband is sleeping through the night. Thank you so much, Steve. I appreciate it. Sheila, enough. So that's how it ends. Did yeah. you tell me about this? How it actually connects to Scream? Well, I'm gonna let's name the victims first because okay. I wrote them all down. Yes, the killer's victims are Julie Grissom, her father William Grissom, their nephew Sean. They didn't publish his last name. Yeah, Christina Powell, Krista Hoyt, Sonia Larson, Tracy Pauls, and Manuel Tabawada. So. They're not going to do it, so we are. Jesus. So basically, I Googled. They don't yeah. even mention Scream at all. They don't. Like in the very, in like the coming up on, they show like a minute of it. The, the Drew Barrymore screaming on the phone. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Kevin Williamson wrote Scream. Yes. What happened was he was home alone and saw a news special about the Gainesville killer, the killer we've been talking about. Yeah. He's home alone. He's scared. He notices a window open. He grabs a knife and calls a friend. And they basically start talking about scary movies and like, wouldn't this make a good movie? And that was the inspiration. 
inspiration for Scream. Stop not it. the case, not oh the story. My God. It was the fact that he was home alone and he was like, this is scary. Oh shit, like maybe. And he, he's a writer and the wheels started turning and that's it. He's also gay. Great. <laughs> cool. We claim him. But like that is the inspiration for what would become your favorite movie, Scream, not this piece of shit killer. Oh my God. Let me tell you, when I saw Scream 3 in the movie theater, yeah. there was a guy walking up and down the aisle in a Scream in costume. Face? Yes. Oh, fuck off. But it was like, they, he was put there like by the, oh. it was like, on, but it was fucking terrifying. That's scary. Because in the beginning of Scream 3, they get killed in the movies. Oh, come on, yeah. Kevin. <laughs> I know. All right. All right. We did it. We did it. Girl, we did, what's it called? Scream, the true story, which is not what this is. Not at all. It's Steve Shippy ruins things. This, we're never doing another paranormal thing ever no, again. No, at least like this. We're not going to do like a fucking demonology thing. I think this is really all there are I, in terms of from I, for our selection. I know. We tried. <laughs> I teased this at Obsessed Fest because they were like, are you doing spooky season stuff? And I was like, I got one, one on the calendar. Yeah. That's it. We did it. Fam, speaking of Obsessed Fest, hey, go follow Obsessed Fest on Instagram and look at all the stories. We're posting videos from Obsessed yes. Fest there every single day. Two a day. We're going to do it all year long. We had a videographer with us the entire weekend. It's the most amazing content. It's at Obsessed Fest on Instagram. Go follow. Follow us on TikTok. It's yes. True Crime Obsessed Pod. Yep. Join the Facebook group. It's the True Crime Obsessed Podcast discussion group. Yeah. And if you want more Jillian and me, <laughs> and who can blame you, <laughs> join us on the Patreon. Over 350 full ad-free bonus episodes to download a bitch right this second. Yeah. Including all the series Including, like The Vow and Tiger King and all that stuff and all that stuff we're, right now we're we're doing Hillsong and Finding Andrea depending on when this yeah out. Finding Andrea so Crazy. I'm very I'm I'm nervous to I'm nervous to get started on this one well it's four episodes all I'll right. hold your hand the whole time how about I, that okay thank you so much I got, I got you what are we doing next we are doing Natalie Grillo loves this documentary it? it's called The Perfect Bid about a Price is Right scandal yeah. <laughs> No murder. Oh my it's, god! We're basically just like analyzing prices, right? Pricing games, and then there's a scandal at the end. It's a, it's, <laughs> it's a wild da, 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 ride. Yeah, but da, da, it's just a little da, da, break from. Uh, totally. We're doing our bonus episodes now. That's a lot of murder. Yeah, we got a lot so of shit murder. on the Patreon. Let's just play the prices right for 45 minutes. Or that's when you like. Miss when you oh, get the yeah. wrong answer. Also, Natalie Grillo is our director of projects. Love Follow that. her Instagram. Her There's Instagram an AMA is- with her on the page. Yes, it's so, so you get good. to learn all about Natalie. So stay tuned for the trailer for that. <laughs> our ridiculous and hilarious outtakes, and that's it. We love you. Yeah, do better by victims, everybody. Yeah, do this. Bye. thank you so much. <laughs> we love you. Bye. <laughs> and I still have all of my name tags and contestant cards from all the tapings I've been to. Pretty sure it was 37 altogether. So one week I got into like watching Price's Rights from like 1973. The same refrigerator freezer was on four different episodes that I watched and it was $789 all four times. I'm like, well, see, there it is, there's proof. So that kind of inspired me to start tracking prices or keeping records, if you will. It's just sad that people don't know the whole story. I appreciate being able to tell it. She basically is like saying that he's gaslighting her right. from the other side. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Turn it off then and go to bed. If you specifically asked, did someone die in this house, good, bad, or indifferent? Uh huh. Which is like, isn't it just good or bad? I don't know. But if you ask that question, they. Indifferent. Right? Like, I don't know. I was indifferent about that. Oh, uh, no. sorry. I'm going to take that again. <laughs> 
like you make sure if she's going to the morning one, you go to the evening one. I'm a big Thursdays guy. I think she's a Tuesday. Because you'll both take over. It's not always, it doesn't always go great when Sandra and I are at the same meeting. You can't both be at the meeting. The minute I said it, I was like, ooh, that's a bad idea. Because no one else can get through their stuff. No. You know? I love being a member of the At 100 Committee. Yeah. You're the pre- you're founding member and president. I'm the founding member and president of the At 100 Committee. No, wait, wait. Yeah. The always At 100 Committee. <laughs> it is an important distinction. I am always at 100. I know. I don't know how to fix I don't know that I want to fix that. Well, keep having, go to, go to the meetings. Oh, but Work I, the program. Why can't you accept me for who I am? I'm not not accepting you. <laughs> okay. 